You're listening to My HR Buzz, brought to you by My HR Concierge. Hosted by Chris Cooley, we'll bring you various topics and guests to shed light on the often confusing world of HR and also employee screening. We'll be putting the human in human resources. Hello, and I want to thank you for joining us on the My HR Buzz podcast today. I do want to remind you that the podcast is available at all of your normal podcast stopping uh, stopping places, Apple, Spotify. You can also get on our website. And we do encourage you to subscribe to it so that uh, you always have the latest information. And then also, if you, if you will, give us a rating and a comment. We would really appreciate that. Well, today uh, I have John Yerger. Uh, he is uh, my business partner. He's the co-founder of MyHR Concierge and MyHR Screens. And he oversees all of our operations for our business and so he has a, a lot of uh, a lot of um, time spent with clients going through different questions and those things and one of the things that's really bubbled up to the top is we've, we've been receiving a lot of questions regarding the new stimulus package that was that was signed back on December 27th of 2020 so we thought we would share some of those some of those questions with you and, and go through that and maybe we can clear up uh, some of your questions as well uh, now, this this bill was over 5,600 pages or almost 5,600 pages. We won't, go th- we won't go through all of that, obviously, and I know there's a big sigh of relief there. But uh, what we will do is we want to hit, hit some of the high points specifically as it relates to employers and workforce management. So, John, I really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, good morning, Chris. Good to be here. So I think a lot of the questions that uh, that we've received uh, recently relate to the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and so can you tell us a little bit maybe about what um, you know what that provided to employers and maybe how the stimulus bill affected that going forward? Yeah, no, that's a good point, and we are getting a lot of questions about that going into 2021. So what the FFCRA or Families First uh, Coronavirus Response Act provided employers is the ability to offer a sick and family paid leave based on various criteria or qualifying criteria. Uh, Again, this was an extension of the FMLA. It was appended to the FMLA uh, Federal Family Medical Leave Act uh, law. And so with that statute or with that particular relief, employers were able to, again, afford uh, a certain amount of sick days and family leave days for uh, parents who had kids who couldn't go to school, that type of thing. <clears throat> and it, uh, it facilitated a pay leave for the employee, but also offered an offsetting tax credit, a payroll tax credit to the employer uh, to help m- mitigate the burden, if you will, for, uh, for that particular leave. Now, as we move from 2020 to 2021, uh, there was a hanging question as to whether the federal government was going to extend that particular leave. Uh, As we knew in the initial rollout in the first stimulus package, that leave was set to expire December 31st, 2020. And in fact, it did. Uh, There was not an extension in any of the uh, recently passed uh, stimulus bills. So what, uh, what we're advising our clients to do and what we understand from uh, the federal government is that uh, particular uh, leave did expire and on December 31st, 2020, but, it, but employers are encouraged to continue to pay that uh, benefit to employees and extend that benefit to the employees 
Uh, and in as much as the federal government can assist with that, they are going to continue to honor the payroll tax credits or offer the payroll tax credits up through March of 2021. So, so and and inform that that particular benefit is still there. If the employer chooses to provide it, Chris, uh, they're not mandated to. They can not offer it to their employees, uh, and uh, as they went into 2021. So. So that's kind of where we are with the FFCRA. <clears throat> and I do want to mention something that um, is important to understand and discern in this. Um, even though the federal FFCRA paid sick and family leave may have expired at the end of December, uh, a number of states have uh, instituted their own paid leave, COVID paid leave uh, laws. And I would encourage employers to pay particular attention to their state.gov sites, uh, any, any uh, particular resource that provides information related to employer responsibility for any paid leave for their employees at the state level. Um, these laws and, and particular uh, forms of paid leave will vary state to state. Um, and so uh, I think it's very important for each employer to, ensure that they're complying with the state laws should the states have weighed in and offered their own paid leave as part of that. So uh, those are the questions uh, that we're getting the most right now is what am I supposed to do with paid leave? And uh, I would encourage employers to look at their state.gov sites as it pertains to COVID paid leave and, uh, and really understand that before, uh, you know, they, they just abandon the whole practice. No, good. Thank you. Uh, that's real helpful because I think what happened is when that original bill was being contemplated or it was going through the through the House and the Senate, um, when people saw the extension of the credits, there was an assumption that the the paid sick leave and the uh, was extended as well. So I think that's where a lot of that confusion came from. So right. uh, I appreciate I appreciate that because I know uh, we we've, we've gotten a lot of calls and talked to a lot of clients about that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's fluid right now too, you know, I and it's not easy to keep up with each state and what their their particular paid leave requirements are. Uh they vary. Uh for example, we had uh, a client uh, out of California and Cal OSHA's instituted a paid leave, but uh there's no provision for any sort of tax relief under that particular statute. So um you know, so these are things that, that employers need to be aware of because they do affect their business. They impact their business uh, operationally and, and also financially. So uh, it's important to be on top of this as an employer. No, that's that's great. That's definitely true. And because it does it does affect them so much. And, you know, in addition to the to the uh, to the paid sick leave and those things, there's also a lot of other components to this bill, as I mentioned. Uh, I know one thing that was uh, that was very uh, you know important to to everyone obviously is the uh, expansion of the unemployment uh, from a federal perspective. And so, what does what does this what does the stimulus bill did it did it extend? You know, at one point in the, in the last bill, there was a six hundred dollar increase uh, from a federal perspective uh, in unemployment. Uh, it ran out uh, last summer. Uh, what are they doing now with that? Is that is that part of this bill, or how is how is that going to work? Yeah, it was addressed in the second stimulus uh, package, Chris. Um, it, it's a little bit 
different, uh, not not entirely different. It's basically structured the same way as it was uh, last year with that $600 per week additional federal relief over the state level relief uh, for unemployed uh, individuals. Now, uh, what this second stimulus bill has offered, uh, it allows unemployed Americans to receive $300 a week in federal funding in addition to the state, right? So uh, if those state level benefits have not already run out. So, so that, that's an additional component to provide relief for those individuals who are unable to work due to the, the pandemic. Um, now, in addition to, the, to this, um, and, and this was also part of the, the initial relief, is this also applies to contract workers and gig workers, okay? So, so that, that extension of unemployment is not just for your typical W-2 employees, but does include contract employees as well as uh, gig workers. Now, there's an 11-week extension base, uh, in base benefits, uh, and that starts January 1st, 2021, and will at least continue through March 14th of 2021. So, there's a little bit of an additional extension uh, of that base benefit to, to you know, hopefully mitigate uh, the lost earnings of individuals who can't find work due to the, our, our current situation. And hopefully that'll get them to a place where we get on the other side of this. Uh, maybe the vaccine rollout begins to allow businesses to open back up. And uh, we hope to see that unemployment rate drop uh, pretty quickly as we, as we move through this first quarter. Yeah, hopefully so. I know, you know, from 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 our standpoint, looking at, at, at this unemployment, I, I think just from what things that I've well, just things that I've I've heard, and I've, I've heard some of the um, political heads talking. It sounds like they're they're a lot more interested today in opening up than maybe they were, um, you know, last year uh, at the end of last year, specifically with the vaccine rollout and those things. So, ho- hopefully, you're right. Hopefully, this really you know, we kind of start turning our economy on, the vaccine gets out, people are more comfortable, you know, the risk is mitigated, and we can really get our get our economy back going, because obviously that's, uh, that's good for all of us. That's right, that's right, and, you know, there, there's you know, different ideologies, different political philosophies in terms of of what these stimulus packages really do offer. Do they make a huge difference? Do they make a long-term impact? And, you know, um, that's that's still to be determined. That's still an opinion uh, to, to be resolved over time. But I, I think what employers and individuals want more than anything else is to get back to work. And once we get back to work, uh, that's that's the that's our economy. That's where things really start uh, getting back to uh, a normal pattern where uh, we can look at uh, real growth, uh, real economic growth, rather than uh, relying on stimulus packages to get through these difficult times. So hopefully uh, we're going to continue to see throughout the country that same sentiment, Chris, that, uh, you know, is it's time to open back up. The economic impacts of what we've endured so far uh, are going to be long lasting. Um, so the sooner we can get back into a normal economic uh, situation, uh, the better I think our country will be. No, I, I, I agree. And that's that's kind of a great segue into this uh, this next point that we were going to look at is, um, you know, we've talked about how we're how we're supporting the um, the employees with the unemployment, but also what does this bill do to support employers to get them through this process? And 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 we know that they've they've extended that PPP program. Yeah, so uh, they modified it a little bit, uh, but essentially it's it's the same 
type program. Uh, the federal government uh, queued about $250 billion in, in payroll protection program funds uh, to provide specific relief to small businesses. Um, now, the qualifying part of this is that the businesses must employ less than 300 employees uh, and have experienced at least a 25% loss in revenue in any quarter in 2020 in comparison to the same quarter in 2019. So you can't just pick a number of three months or certain um, three months of the year where you as a business owner may have experienced a 25% or more decrease in revenue. It has to be based on quarter to quarter comparisons, 2019 to 2020. So, so those are part of the qualifiers that employers are really gonna wanna take a look at before they apply for this relief, uh, just so they understand what those are. Now, uh, it's also available to 501c6 nonprofits that have 150 or less employees uh, that aren't uh, considered lobbying organizations. So they would be eligible for that as well. Um, now, the program does expand too into expenses eligible for loan forgiveness and includes supplier and investment costs related to modifying facilities. Now, those supplier and cost, investment costs, can't be just, I want to improve my business, I want to, I want to modify or, or, or rebuild my front of house restaurant. It has to be uh, specific to improvements that are made, investments that are made, uh, that involves safety, protective equipment, and uh, modifications to accommodate uh, the, the, the social distancing, uh, the proper, uh, uh, I guess, uh, outside structures if you're a restaurant to allow for uh, additional capacity. Uh, so again, just be careful to, uh, to know that any supplier cost or any investment cost in my business or, or infrastructure are not automatically gonna qualify. They have to be, uh, uh, modify or modifications in the facilities or, or personal protective equipment that's purchased to provide safety for employees and your customers or guests. Um, they've also simplified, Chris, the loan forgiveness process. Um, and again, if they borrow, uh, if they borrow 150,000 uh, 150, or less in PPP loans, um, so they, they've tried to simplify that process for, for employers. Uh, it, it, it was a little complicated. Um, and I think, you know, uh, what we'd suggest, I think the best course for employers to really understand is to talk to their tax accountant or CPA uh, and even their lender for that matter. Talk to your bank or whoever your, your uh, credit facility is to, to understand how that loan works and uh, what those um, tax forgiveness criteria are. No, that's great because I know for specifically for a lot of small businesses, that forgiveness process is tough because a lot of them don't have the, you know, really the internal accounting resources uh, to do that. Uh, and so simplifying right. that I know will help a lot of businesses. And also as we sit here today on the, on the 15th of, of January, uh, they're actually opening up taking uh, applications. So if you work for, if you, I'm sorry, if you're working with a lender, it has under $1 billion in assets, uh, you can begin the application process today on the 15th. And then also if you work with a lender that has over a billion dollars in assets, uh, you can start doing your application process on Tuesday, the 19th of January. So that's something there. So definitely, you know, if you're available, as John said, you know, if you, if you are 
if your revenues are 25% or more down from any quarter from 20, comparing 20 to 2019, you know, definitely we, we want to encourage you to do that because that those are funds there to help you as an employer, you know, to really get through this pandemic and, and, and stay viable uh, because we want, we want you there. We want you, we want you prospering and we want you, um, you know, hiring those employees and taking care of them as well. So we really, really encourage you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and a couple of points too, Chris, I mean, what, as you mentioned uh, in the intro here, I mean, this was over what close to 6,000 page bill, right? Um, a lot of what was in it really didn't speak to this direct relief for individuals, employees and employers. And what, what I wanted to, you know, what we're trying to do here is, is really break it down and speak to small business owners across the country uh, in a way that, that gives them simple, clear guidance on what the bill offers, uh, what it requires, and what they, what they and their responsibility as, employer, uh, as an employer uh, can be in this situation to either take advantage of uh, to help keep their business afloat, keep their employees paid uh, during this time, and then uh, find a path to getting back to getting back to work, getting back to a normal business operation. And uh, this this is something that's important to us to really be able to offer. And uh, I hope this is helpful. Um, you know, and it's something that's important to understand uh, as we get as we navigate through this process. Hopefully. 2021 will be a much different situation, obviously, than we saw in 2020. We want to see a trajectory where businesses are getting back to a normal rhythm and employees are getting back to work. Um, now, I'll add, too, just one more piece to this legislation, Chris, that was passed. is more of the direct payment. Um, it contains a new round of direct payments to individuals. It's $600 per individual uh, or $1,200 per married couple and uh, eligible or qualifying children will also receive uh, $600 for, you know, for the parents to uh, apply for. And, you know, so there may be more legislation uh, as we're hearing already at this point with the new administration coming in, uh, we're already hearing uh, new stimulus efforts to continue to uh, provide employer protection, employee protections for uh, as far as income and also direct payments. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that. Everybody keep their ear to the ground uh, listen to our podcast, keep an eye on our, our information, our blog and our website uh, to see information as it develops. Uh, and again, we hope we can provide a real value and opportunity for our clients to, to understand how these laws affect them. Absolutely. Cause that's, that's what we're here for is to provide you with the information, hopefully that you need to run your business and, and, and to prosper. And so that's our mission. And that's, that's why we're here. So, um, as John said, keep, uh, keep, you know, going to our blog and listening to our podcast, uh, we'll keep you informed on this next round of stimulus that, that appears to be coming down the pipe. And so we do appreciate you joining us today. And John, I appreciate you um, being here and, and sharing with us and just giving some, some information that, uh, you know, maybe clearing up some of the questions that, that, that our uh, clients and friends and prospects have. That's our pleasure, Chris. Thank you.